Three Brothers, a Statue, and a Shakespeare Play. But yet let me lament with tears as sovereign as the blood of hearts that thou, my brother, my competitor, in top of all design, my mate in empire, friend and companion in the front of war, the arm of mine own body and the heart where mine his thoughts did kindle that our stars unreconciliable should divide our equalness to this. Antonine Cleopatra, Act 5, Scene 1. It was a one-night-only affair, a benefit performance celebrating the 300th anniversary of Shakespeare's birth. November 25th, 1864, three famous actors put on a staging of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar to raise money for a statue of Shakespeare to be put in the new Central Park. The crowd packed into the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway and West 3rd Street. Actors producing the show had hoped to raise enough money for the statue and had ended up selling out. The statue, which still stands today, was created in 1870 and unveiled in the park two years later. The three actors were more than actors, they were brothers. Not only that, but they were the sons of a famous actor father, who instilled in them the passion for theater, Shakespeare, performance, and bitter rivalry. The middle of the three was declared by their father to be a genius, and the best of them. It was he that fateful night that played the starring role of Brutus. The eldest, more seasoned of the brothers, had untreated mental scars and a deep drinking problem. It was he who played Cassius. And the youngest, and arguably worst of the three, who was always in competition with his elder brother, played Mark Antony. It was a real first for the brothers, as they had long ago divided up the country, so they would not compete with one another. The eldest brother, Junius Jr., held the theater scene in the West. The middle and most talented, Edwin, would get the North, which included the very lucrative cities of Boston, New York, and Washington, D.C., which left the poorer, less financially lucrative South in the hands of their younger brother, John Wilkes Booth. Think no more on him as your brother. He is dead to us now, as soon he must be to all the world. But imagine the boy you love to be in that better part of his spirit in another world. Edwin Booth. John Wilkes Booth is known today as the infamous assassin of Abraham Lincoln. But in his day, he was the ninth of ten children born to English actor Junius Brutus Booth and Marianne Holmes. John was closest in age to his sister Asia, born just before him by three years, and Edwin, born before Asia by two. According to historian Nora T. Tone, who authored the book My Thoughts Be Bloody, 
Edwin and John specifically were set up as rivals right from the beginning. Quote, It was a classic case of sibling rivalry. Junius Brutus Booth, in part, can be blamed for get setting up this rivalry in a way. He considered himself a genius. He wrote extensively to his in his journals about his powers and how amazing he himself was. So, of course, narcissistically, he examined his children for signs of talent like his own. And while John Wilkes Booth was a perfect physical copy for his father, he didn't have a single spark of the actor's gift, and that was evident from an early age. Edwin Booth, who bore no physical resemblance to his father, resembling more their mother, Mary Ann Holmes, did have that whatever it is that allows a theater artist to be transcendently effective on a stage. He had it from day one. Unquote. When Junius Jr., eldest of all the Booth children, was young, his father took him on a trip with him as he toured the country to teach him the trade of theater. Years later, he would repeat this with his other son, Edwin. John wanted to go, but his mother, Mary Ann, who already saw three children of hers die young, did not want her precious John to leave her. So he stayed. Nora continues, quote, It really divided the brothers, because on Edwin's narrow little back depended the financial survival of his brothers, sisters, and mother. At this point, John Wilkes was in boarding school. Edwin resented being taken out of school. He resented being put in servitude to his father, and he imagined his brother, John Wilkes, having a life of ease at a boarding school in Maryland. But what happens is these boys get put on two different tracks. John Wilkes is being raised by the family to be a gentleman of leisure, whereas Edwin, as grueling as his indentured servitude was to his father, is learning how to be an actor. He said he imbibed through his ears every night as his great father went on stage all the roles of Shakespeare. Unquote. Strapped for money as fortunes dwindled, Junius had hit the road and tour, but his constant drinking and poor health was concerned. Titone continues, The year was 1851, and the best place for an actor to earn his money at the time was newly, the newly established state of California, where gold had been discovered, and actors flocked to the East Coast, from the East Coast, around the Isthmus of Panama, or across the Isthmus of Panama, up to San Francisco. That was the scheme for Junius Brutus Booth and his son Edwin Hatched to repair their family fortunes. They made this arduous journey, and they get to San Francisco, and that's where the father-son relationship falls apart. When the time comes for them to go back to their California tour, Edwin says to his father, Go back alone. I want to stay here and try to be a leading man in San Francisco in my own right. Of course, Junius Brutus Booth, who is too proud to argue, packs his bags full of gold dust, and gets on a steamboat, makes the journey back across the Isthmus of Panama. Without his watchdog and guardian, Edwin, he falls into trouble. All of his profits from California are stolen, and he dies on the steamboat back. Unquote. John was stuck at home where he did not want to be, while his brother was touring in California, acting and starting a career. When their father died, their mother blamed Edwin. 
Edwin became estranged from the family for a time, and John became the man of the house, caring and watching out for his siblings and mother. But money was still an issue, and it was hard on John and the family until Edwin arrived back in the family with wealth accumulated from his work alone. Edwin, who was earlier an outcast of the family, was now its savior and patron. John again went into the shadows. It did not take long, but John eventually made himself an actor. His rugged good looks and charm drew people to his shows, but his poor acting skill drew him poor reviews, though his sword-fighting skills were top-notch, seemingly making Edwin the actor and thespian, and John the action star. Edwin refused to help John or Junius, and to keep the rich North to himself alone, he came up with the idea of splitting the nation up between the brothers. As Teutone tells it, quote, John Wilkes writes about it as though he's been disinherited from a future of greatness that he could have had, unquote. It was in the South that despite his poor acting career, John found opportunity. He was endeared to the people and the culture and tried other various ways to make his mark and escape his brother's shadow. They all failed. But he kept trying, which is when he came into contact with the Confederate Secret Service, though nothing came of this either. Yet. Edwin arranges for the brothers to unite for one night in 1864. As Titone says, You talk about the bitterness among these three brothers, that this should have been a benefit performance to support the impoverished John Wilkes Booth and the impoverished June Booth. Edwin at this time in the 19th century is the 19th century equivalent of a millionaire. He owns two theaters, one in Philadelphia, one in Manhattan. His brothers are struggling to even get by. It's a huge sold-out event. They do Julius Caesar, unquote. The play goes on, but in the middle of the performance, fire companies burst into the theater looking for fire. Titone says, quote, what, what had happened is that a Confederate Secret Service plotted kind of an act of terror in New York. Confederate agents fanned out across the city with tiny bombs made out of phosphorus and turpentine. The fire companies, responding, check the theater. They find no flames, but the next morning, as the three brothers are eating breakfast and reading the newspapers in Edwin's opulent mansion in Gramercy Park, they read about this Confederate attack on Manhattan. And this is where John Wilkes says, quote, Oh, the South was right to attack the New York City. Unquote. And of course, when John Wilkes says these inflammatory things, Edwin explodes and throws John Wilkes out of the house, down the kind of grandiose steps of the front part of the building onto the street, and says, You're never welcome in my house again. Unquote. Five months later, John Wilkes would die from a gunshot wound at the Garrett Farmhouse in Virginia, 12 days after assassinating President Abraham Lincoln in Ford's theater. Edwin would eventually successfully petition the government for his brother's body, which he buried in their family plot. He never spoke of his brother by name again, and published a letter to America in the newspaper shortly after. My fellow citizens, When a nation is overwhelmed with sorrow, 
by a great public calamity, the mention of private grief would under ordinary circumstances be an intrusion. But under those by which I am surrounded, I feel sure that a word from me will not be regarded by you. It has pleased God to lay at the door of my afflicted family the lifeblood of our great, good, and martyred president. Prostrated to the very earth by this dreadful event, I am yet too sensible that other mourners fill the land. To them, to you, once and all go forth our deep, unutterable sympathy, our abhorrence and detestation for this most foul and atricious of crimes. For my brother, for my mother and sisters, for my remaining brothers and my own poor self, there is nothing to be said except that we are thus placed without any agency of our own. For our loyalty as dutiful, though humble citizens, as well as for our consistent and as we have some reason to believe successful efforts to elevate our name personally and professionally, we appeal to the record of the past. For our present position, we are not responsible. For the future, alas, I shall struggle on in my retirement, bearing a heavy heart, an oppressed memory, and a wounded name, dreadful burdens to my too welcome grave. Your afflicted friend, Edwin Booth. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, this little history essay. I read Nora T. Tone's book, My Thoughts Be Bloody, a while ago, and uh, at one point I thought about writing a book, or writing a play, based on the book, rather. Um, It was a very tough thing to do, and I had various starts and stops, and perhaps one day I'll start again. But it was good to get some of that out in this episode, so I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Everything in this episode was written by me. Uh, The quotes from Nora Titone were taken from the transcript of a podcast interview that she did with the Folger Shakespeare Library, uh, Shakespeare Unlimited, episode 114, Edwin and John Wilkes Booth. You can find that online at the Folger... uh, website folger.edu and again the show is called Shakespeare Unlimited and it is episode 114 Uh, thank you everyone and if you are interested in learning more about the story which I feel like is not an exploration or a glorification of the assassin of Lincoln but for me looking at the story of his family of how he came to be and where things led to. To me, it is a a microcosm of the Civil War in its entirety. Um, So many things could have been done ahead of time to prevent things from going the way they went. It doesn't rob anyone of personal responsibility. 
um, nor does it place blame uh, more excessively on other people. Uh, Rather, it uh, tells a story, a tragic story, of um, a family torn apart as our nation and its people were torn apart and continue to be torn apart uh, because of the remnants of that issue um, so so long uh, so long past um, thank you for listening this has been 15 minute folio and I will see you next week thank you and may the bard be with you The program you just listened to is a part of the Potomania Broadcasting Network. For more shows like these, please visit schofieldstreet.com slash pbn for more shows and more information.